Okay. Uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. And the way that uh, we're working it out is that uh, Levi will be here on Father's Day. So I decided to jump ahead and I'm going to talk about my father today. He may not talk about his father next week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he might. Okay, but I want to, it was Father's Day coming. I want to talk about my father and some of the things that he did. And I'm going to look at Ecclesiastes, if you want to join me there. Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. In the Old Testament, chapter number 8. My father, uh, there's a few people that knew him here. Most of you probably didn't, but there's a few people that knew him. And he was a real character. Uh, <laughs> always pulling somebody's leg, trying to find a way to spring something on somebody. Always joking around. You could hardly get a straight answer out of him most of the time. And uh, you say, well, doesn't sound like a Father's Day father. No, he's not. Not at all. He's not a Father's Day father. If you got some idea in your head that he's some sort of a, you know, towering figure, he's just Odie. Uh, and uh, did things his own way. And I want to talk about a couple of those things today. Here in Ecclesiastes in chapter number 8, uh, verse 15. Solomon, of course, is assessing life in Ecclesiastes. And he says, Ecclesiastes 8.15, And I commended mirth, or that's joy, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and drink and be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor all the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. And then you go to chapter 9, just the next page there, verse number 7, it's the same comment. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Or there's a way you can live life where uh, you can be happy. You don't have to be miserable. Uh, you know, when I go to a doctor, they say, are you depressed? I said, don't ask me that question again. Don't ever ask me that question again. And one lady almost asked me, oh, sorry. I said, yeah, I'm not depressed. I feel good. My father was one of the most happy-go-lucky people that you ever met. He just... Roll, rolled along in this easy sort of way. And that's what he's recommending here. He says, you know, you can be miserable all your life if you think that's fun, but if you just relax, enjoy life, he said, it'll be much easier for you. Go your way, eat your bread with joy. Enjoy life. And that was my father. And it was not what I was used to going to church. Going to church, everybody was miserable. And I, church, I went to... I think they were all miserable, uh, except for him. So it was a real example to me to watch somebody who just was happy. He was not miserable, always snapping and snarling. That's not what he did. He was always making a joke of things, and sometimes maybe he went a little uh, too far, but it was okay. You knew what, where he was coming from. Ephesians chapter 5 
Ephesians chapter 5. I want to explain to you something that he did. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a real indicative of his uh, happy-go-lucky ideas. In Ephesians 5, we get a list of things that Christians should do. In verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. All right, and he's advising us here, talk to yourself in a song. Right? Well, you got a song in your head, let it go. Let a melody work through your mind, singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And he says, that's how you should live. That's the way my father lived. He sang all the time. He sang all the time. He had no idea what music was. He had no idea. He was totally unable to uh, put all that together. But he just loved to sing. So he sang all the time. Now I say all the time. I am not exaggerating. Many a night he'd get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and sing going down the stairs. And all the people heard, they're in through the house. He's singing down through the stairs. My mother would say, oh, there he goes again. And he'd be singing all the time. And he sang in the middle of the night. He sang first thing in the morning when he got up. But he didn't know any songs, really. <laughs> but he learned like one phrase. And I remember when my kids uh, and our family all went to Norway together, he went with us. And, uh, of course, we needed him to translate. And we, were, we rented this cabin out in the middle of nowhere for a night, and he was with us. So we got in there and broke up into different rooms, and he started singing. And my kids still talk about it to this day. Uh, there's a hymn in the book called Sound the Battle Cry. See the foes nigh, raise the standard high for the Lord. Well, he knew the first line. And so he'd sing, Sound the Battle Cry. Sound the Battle Cry. Sound the Battle Cry for the Lord. And then he'd hesitate. Sound the Battle Cry. Sound the Battle Cry. He did that for an hour and a half. And my kids still, if you say it to them, they'll still roll on the floor laughing. But it's like, I wish he'd learned a second line, maybe. But he did that his whole life. He sang one line. I remember him singing, there's power in the blood, power in the blood, power in the blood. And I said, my, my mother would say, can't you learn some of the song? No, he just sang. Oh, <laughs> But it was a joyful thing. I remember I was at his mother's house, my grandmother, and I woke up like I always do, four o'clock in the morning, and I said, I'm going to sneak out, go downstairs. So I'm sneaking past my parents and sneaking, I sneak out the room, and I get to the top of the stairs, and it was one of those big, huge staircases. And down there is my grandmother. And all by herself, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I peek down, I look at her. She don't know I'm there. And she's singing, You magic 
clapping her hands. I'm going to lose you. All by herself. Me clapping Hannah. She's singing in Norwegian. All by herself down there. I thought, that's where he got it. Only she knows the words. He never learned the words. One of the things that happened that became a story that uh, was well used. Uh, he had a truck, worked on the wildlife refuge, he had a truck, and he was the one that went out in the middle of the swamp and all over the place, and he, he knew the whole swamp inside out. Well, he was driving someplace, and they had a two-way radio. Well, the two-way radio, the button got pressed somehow. And so he sang for two, three hours, like he would all by himself with the button pressed in. Well, when he retired, they had a, a special thing for him. And this guy got up, he said, well, one day, and he said, Odie was out there and his button got pressed in. And he sang to us in the office for three hours. He said, <laughs> over and over and over again. I said, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> My mother uh, was not a great musician, uh, but she disciplined herself to play and to sing. A lot of discipline. My father didn't have any discipline at all. Just whatever just came out of his head. And when they put the two of them together, discipline and that happy heart made a lot of good. You know what I mean? Now you know what I mean. Uh, when they put two of them together, my mother and father made a lot of good musicians. Because you put the discipline with a happy heart makes for music. And so uh, it was kind of wonderful to hear him sing. And even though my mother got annoyed with it sometimes, there was a happiness about it that everyday life was okay. You could live it. All right. Now, I want to talk to you about something else. Second Corinthians, <coughs> the second thing about my father I want to talk about. Second Corinthians, in chapter 4. He... Uh, of course was born in Norway into a family of eight children and his aunt had four children and she died so in those days they just said here here's four more so my grandmother had 12 children uh, and she took care of them all over in Norway by herself okay she was by herself and uh, my grandfather was working in America. And he worked for eight or ten years saving money so he could bring the family to America. And so my father grew up in Norway. It was tough times, you understand. They, they ate fish all the time because that's what they had because you could go out and get it. It was right outside the door. <laughs> and they'd go out and catch fish. They'd get cod and salt it and eat it all winter and they'd have to soak it in the river to get it to be so they could cook it and get a piece of cod all soaked. So it was a tough life they lived. He said for every Christmas the best thing he ever had was pig's blood soup called lingamus. And he said, man, I love pig's blood soup. I'm thinking you got to be pretty poor 
<laughs> to love that. <laughs> but that's what, how they lived. They had nothing at all. And uh, when they came to America, it wasn't much better for quite a while. And so uh, they lived tough, hard life. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, there's an attitude here that I want you to see. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. Paul says, we have a lot of trouble, but we're okay. You know, he says, difficult situations, but we don't despair. And that was my father. He had this positive attitude about life that it didn't matter how hard things got. didn't bother him. Uh, he kept going. And uh, he was able to accomplish things, uh, just keep going. He had a, attitudes that he taught us have this attitude. He'd get on the tractor to go plow or whatever he was going to do, and he'd stand up and he'd go, charge, charge. <laughs> I remember Ange Pilo saw him do it once. He says, he's doing charge on the tractor. I said, yeah, well, you know, let's go, huh? Let's go. And it was a very positive attitude. Uh, he always quoted Winston Churchill. We will never surrender. We will never surrender. And he quoted Winston Churchill all the time in that particular speech that he made. Remember Winston said, we'll fight him in the fields, we'll fight him in the streets, and we will never surrender. Well, he said that all the time. We heard that. But the speech we heard the most when it came to positive attitude was we'd be sitting at the table, and he would say, uh, now, everybody listen. We do not conform. We are non-conformists. You got it? We do not conform. We never conform. We are non Olsons are non-conformists. And we had that driven into our head when we were three and four years old, growing up through. He had a speech he did at the table. And if somebody said something, then, well, I was thinking about doing what they did. We are nonconformists. We do not do what other people do, which I think is a good thing. I think it gives you courage to say, all right, I don't have to do what the rest of the world does. I don't have to do what somebody else does. We don't conform. We're nonconformists. So I think that positive attitude from charge to uh, uh, we'll never surrender to, and we do not conform. It puts on us as children this feeling that, hey, you know, we're going to go. It's time to go. Let's do what we got to do. And my brother said once, uh, I am going to rise above my station in life. And my father laughed his head off. <laughs> he just laughed and laughed. He said, what's your station in life? It, he, that didn't even occur to him that there was a station in life. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm going to get a doctorate degree, and I'm going to accomplish something. I'm not going to hang around here. 
Well, he had a little bit of a negative attitude, but my father had ways of combating that. So, and he did, he accomplished. He became a doctor and helped run the state of Montana for many years working for the governor. So uh, it was a good thing to be passed down. Now, one more thing I want to tell you about my father. Um, and that's in 2 Corinthians 3, just a page back. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And this was the thing, of all the things I respected about my father, this was probably the thing I respected the most. Uh, there were two things that he did unashamedly. The first one was if you said, well, will you pray for this? He's going to do it right then, right now. That's it. I don't care where you are. You're in the middle of a restaurant. Okay, we're going to pray right now. You pray right now. You're standing in line at Tops. We're going to pray right now. And, and he always did that. And sometimes I think, maybe this ain't the best time. But it didn't matter. He's going to do it. And I think that was a very noble thing. And here's the second one. 2 Corinthians 13, or 3, and verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a pretty glory, glory, glory kind of thing. But what he's saying is, if you really know Jesus, uh, you can behave like him, watch what he does, learn from him. And he said, you will change from glory to glory. Or in other words, you may advance higher than you thought was possible if you'll focus on God. And he certainly had a focus on God. There was no question about that. When I was three years old, you were told, do not go upstairs. Your father is praying. And, uh, and don't make noise. Your father's praying. And it wasn't for 15 minutes. It was for an hour and a half, usually. Most every day, uh, he did that. And so God did special things for him, through him. And one of the things is that people can change. And that's what he's saying here. People can change. Old people find it hard to change. Huh? All you young folks out there, you got a chant. You older folks are saying, I'm stuck with what I am. Well, he did something that I always remember. When we were growing up, he never, ever gave my mother a gift. It didn't even occur to him. He had grown up mostly without a father because his father was in America and he was in Norway. And his father worked and worked and worked. He was captain of the shipyards in New York City. So he really didn't see his father. And his father didn't behave like a father because he was gone. So things didn't occur to him. It never occurred to him to give my mother a birthday present. Ever once. Didn't even occur to him. A Christmas present. He never gave any presents at all. Now, before I say that's all his fault... I got, <laughs> I got to say this. Uh, Mom never gave him one dime. 
She said, you can't give him money. He'll lose it. He'll waste it. It'll be gone. And we can't waste it. We can't lose it. And so I'm not giving him anything. And so he never had a wallet because he didn't have anything to put in it. All right? And he had no money. And I remember <laughs> uh, when she died, of course, now he was in charge of the money. And I was walking down the house behind us, and that's where he lived, and there was $50 bills laying in the driveway. So I picked them up, picked them all up, and I had, I don't know, three, 400 bucks, $50 bills I picked up out of the driveway. And I walked in the house, and I said, you missing anything? No, nothing. You not missing any money? No, you missing no money. I said, are you sure? I'm sure. I said, well, I just picked up 400 bucks out of your driveway. I think you dropped it. He said, yeah, I probably did. <laughs> and so he said, well, I got a spot for it. And he picked up the kitchen tablecloth and threw it under there and put it down. And that's where, I don't know, it probably was there until he died. Because he just, he didn't want to deal with it. When he did die, I was trying to balance his checkbook. And... <laughs> and there were checks. I think, personally, I think he knew that his end was coming close. He started writing checks to people all over the reservation because he loved the Indians. And so I'd see a $1,000 check to so-and-so, another $1,000, $1,000 check all over the reservation. He was giving out to people because that's the way he viewed money. Best thing you do is give it away. So he gave it away. So he never had money. So my mother said he can't be trusted with money. So when I say he never thought to buy a present, he didn't. He didn't think to. And she didn't give him anything to work with either. <laughs> well, then the day came that my mother uh, went into uh, the nursing home. And she went in, never to come out again. She was there for five years. And so he went to see her about four times a week. And from the day she went in till the day she died, he never went there without a present. Something. Something. Never once. And for almost 50 years they'd been married before she went in. He never gave her anything. And then he never went without something. It didn't have to cost a lot. She say, I like McDonald's hamburgers. So you go buy a hamburger. Give her a McDonald's hamburger. And the flowers that I pick now and bring to church uh, that he planted, uh, he took to her. He picked Made sure she had flowers every time she went. In the fall, when the flowers were gone and the leaves were turning, he would take a bunch of red maple leaves and bring them in and put them next to her. And he never went without a gift uh, for five years. And all his time, sometimes candy, you know, he liked to give her candy and give her things, and she was happy to get them until finally it didn't matter because she didn't know anyway. But uh, uh, he never went without a gift. And 
I thought that was a significant change in a guy who was in his 70s and had never even thought of it. And, you know, we'd give presents to each other, mom to us, and us to mom and everything else. He was outside of it. had nothing to do with that. But uh, after that, he never missed. And so you can change. You can change. And that's a very valuable thing to know. And it was that that I admired very much about him. And she had three episodes in a nursing home where she became comatose. And he was broken up to pieces. She's going to die, she's going to die. And three times she recovered from it, and uh, he was just a, a wreck. And I'd never seen him a wreck. Never seen him like that before. And... Uh, and eventually she did, and he accepted it with grace. And then we all, when she died, the family all gathered at my house, and he just got up and ran out the door. Couldn't take it. So uh, he loved her very much, and that became much more evident when she was gone. And so it's something to think about. So those are some father stories. Not like most people's, okay? I get it. I get it. But that's how I grew up. Thank you.